Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to today's episode of Everyday Truth, chapter number 25. So there's 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. Just making sure. I think there's 52. Have you ever just known a basic fact and then second-guessed yourself? When you turn 57, that's what you do all the time. Yes, there's 52 chapters in Jeremiah, and we are almost halfway there. We're in chapter number 25, and I want you to see what it says in verse number 1. Jeremiah chapter 25, verse number 1, the word that came to Jeremiah concerning all the people of Judah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, and was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. I wanted just to say a word about this verse because it really helps us to understand some of the reasons why God gives certain messages and why he gives them at certain times to certain people in certain places. And that's the thing I think that is so amazing about the Lord and his word is just how specific it is. So with all of that in mind, look back at verse number one, the word that came to Jeremiah. So God had a specific messenger in mind, Jeremiah. Watch this, concerning all the people of Judah. So God had a specific audience in mind. I want this preacher to preach to this audience. And then the Bible says, in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, and that was the first year of Nebuchadnezzar. So I want this preacher to preach to this audience at this time. And then what we're going to learn is, and it's this message. I just love how specific the Lord is. And if any one of those factors was off, then it wouldn't have been the same message. If it had been a different preacher, a different audience, a different time frame, a different message itself, all of it was important. That's why it's important that as preachers, we ascertain the the spirit of God in our life as we study the scripture, as we give uh, the word of God, as we allow God to use it in the lives of the audience to whom we're preaching. That it's so important. And watch what happens here, verse number two. The which Jeremiah the prophet spake unto all the people of Judah and to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, saying, So the word came to Jeremiah, preached to all the people. And then verse number two, so Jeremiah the prophet spake to all the people of Judah, specifically to the inhabitants of Judah, of Jerusalem rather, but he he did what God told him to do. So what good is a specific message for a specific time, for a specific people, if the preacher's unwilling to say it? (laughs) Think about Jonah. That was the whole point there. God had a specific person, specific place, a specific message, but the preacher was unwilling to say it. And bad things happened both to the preacher and potentially to the people. So, wow, obedience, willingness to do what God's called us to do, how important that is as well. Verse number three, from the 13th year, this is the message, 
from the 13th year of Josiah, the son of Ammon, king of Judah, even unto this day, that is the three and 20th year, the word of the Lord hath come unto me. And I have spoken unto you, rising early and speaking, but ye have not hearkened. So what, what, what kind of an introduction is this to the message? Jeremiah gets up and says, hey guys, I've been preaching for a long time. He's talking, talking here about Josiah. That's years ago. If we're talking about the, the first year of Jehoiakim, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar, which is the fourth year of Jehoiakim, and Jeho- Jehoiakim actually followed his older brother, Jehoiaz, also called Shalom. He just reigned for a short time. But Josiah's been dead now for four or five years. And, Jeremiah, and Josiah, the Bible says, Jeremiah says, I've been preaching since the 13th year of his reign. So what's the point? The point is, I've been preaching for a long time, like 23 years I've been preaching, and I've been faithful. I've been getting up early. I've been giving you this message. I've not procrastinated. I've been faithful. I've been specific. I've honored God, and nothing is happening. You know, I think, first of all, faithfulness is just key to any ministry, uh, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it really doesn't make a difference what people think about me. In fact, it's really not even wise for me to render a self-assessment of myself. No, really, if if you want to talk about me or you want to give me a title, then just call, call, me a, call me a minister. That means a table waiter. And to call me a steward. I don't own anything. I don't claim to own anything. God owns everything, and I manage everything for him. That's what stewards do. It's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. So here, Jeremiah is giving a testimony of faithfulness. I I have faithfully preached the word of God for 23 years, and I've gotten up early, and I've given you the message, and the implication is, and there have been no results. There has, there has been no good response. Verse number four, and the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants and the prophets, rising early and sending them. So rising early, that means this has been priority. God is not slacking. God has readily given you his word in and through these other prophets. And it says, sending them, but ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. You've not listened and you've not even wanted to listen. You've not even postured yourself to listen. It's one thing when we don't hear things. It's another thing when we just put ourselves out of earshot. Have you ever been in a place where you could hear if you wanted to, but you kind of tone, you kind of zone out, you kind of tune out. I don't want to hear this. I, that I, I don't want to be a part of it. That's what God's people have been doing. So what is Jeremiah saying? Jeremiah is saying, I've been at this for a long time, up until now. Things are bad, but I've been at this for a long time. And this is right on the cusp of when Nebuchadnezzar attacked the first time, Daniel, Hanani, Mishael, Azariah, when they were taken. And Jeremiah says, I've been preaching for years. In other words, you've had your chance. You know, now God's going to begin to ramp up his message through other means, like t- captivity, like the series of Babylonian invasions. And by the way, said Jeremiah, I'm not the only one whom God has raised up. There are other prophets 
There are other faithful people, some of whom you and I, uh, we, we don't even know who they are. Some we do. Zephaniah was one. We know who he is. Habakkuk, we've spoken often of him. He's another one. But when it comes down to who are all these other prophets, there weren't many, but we don't know. They were just faithful. One day we'll know, I suppose, when we get to heaven. What what I love about this is that Jeremiah, even though he, I think, was discouraged and could very easily have felt defeated and worthless, he was still willing to acknowledge that I'm not the only one. There are others whom God is using, others who are faithful, others who are proclaiming. Unlike Elijah, who certainly was a faithful prophet, whom God used in a great way. And and certainly he was isolated for those three and a half years and felt as if he were the was the only one that was faithful. And yet in his pity party, what did God say? He said, Elijah, you're not the only one. You know, 7,000 have not bowed the knee to Baal and you are among a minority, but you are not the only one in that minority. I love the fact that Jeremiah recognized that and attested to that here in verse number, verse number four. Now look at verse number five. Here's the message. They said, the prophets did, turn ye again now everyone from his evil way. So this has been a collective message. Although we're the minority, we've been saying this, turn from your evil way and from the evil of your doings and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever and ever. So do right, repent. Or bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. That was the message of John the Baptist. So it's more than just a change your behavior message. It's a, and we know Jeremiah's theme, it's a get your heart right with God message that's going to result in a behavior change. And yet we've been saying this, these prophets have been telling you this, but you've not been listening. So in the message, they've basically been saying repent. And they've been saying, and If you repent, the land is going to be yours to enjoy, yours to use. And the opposite implication is there as well. And that is, if you persist in your pride, if you don't repent, if you don't change what you're doing, then this land will no longer be your possession. You will lose what you have. You will lose even the good that you're taking advantage of now. Verse number six Not only repent of your evil doings and evil ways and dwell in the land, but verse number six, and go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them. So there really is the key, isn't it? And that is behavior arises out of false worship. That's why in the book of Colossians, when Paul wrote that, that city, he had never been there personally, but he heard all about it from Epaphras and Epaphras uh, had a burden to pray for them, and Paul heard about their issues and wrote to them. And among other things, the Apostle Paul said to the Colossians, he said, uh, covetousness is idolatry. So, so lest you and I look back at these people and say, how could they worship a rock? You know, how could they worship a carved idol? How could they worship Baal or Ashtaroth or Molech or any of these other false gods? I mean, h- how dumb can you get? We do the same thing. 
We might not make an image for it, but we'll sit in front of a television for eight hours. We'll sit in front of a computer screen and scroll through random inane videos for hours. We have our own besetting sins. We have our own idolatries, materialism and the God of, of, of sex and, and drugs and, and, and secular humanism and, and all of it. it. It's rampant in our society. And so just as this society was engaged in worshiping, worship means to place value in. And what do we place value in? Those things that we trust in, those things that we spend time before, those things that we give our money to. So they were worshiping in every real sense of the word, these false gods. And so do we. And these prophets have been saying, change your doings, change your evil ways, dwell in the land, turn from your idols, turn from what you're worshiping, because you show me what you set your heart's affection upon, and I will show you your behavior. You show me today's idol, and I will show you tomorrow's behavior. It's just the way it works. Verse number six again, go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands. That means that the idolatry that is arising out of your worship, you're making these idols, you're doing things that are consistent with your false worship and some of the debaucherous things they were doing. And the Bible says, and I will do you no hurt. You know, you have a chance. See the message? So Jeremiah says, we've been preaching this. For 23 years, not just myself, all of us, we've been saying this. This has been one consistent message from the remnant, and nobody seems to be listening. Verse number seven, yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, yet that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. What happens when people reject God? What happens when people turn their back on God and pursue their own worldly and fleshly pursuits? They end up just hurting themselves. You know, ultimately, we can't hurt God in the sense of diminishing him. Obviously, God loves us. But the, the biggest loser as we pursue ourselves and pursue our desires is ourselves. We're, we're the losers. We hurt ourselves. That's why the greatest judgment is described in Romans chapter one. And that is when God says, okay, if you just don't want to acknowledge me, if you just want to do it your own way, then I will give you up unto your own lusts. See, when God lets us have our way, that itself is the judgment of God because that's what ultimately harms us and hurts us. So I hope that's a good lesson for all of us today. A word to the wise. We'll pick it up in verse number eight uh, next time. Hope you have a great day today. God bless you, my friends. Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.